You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 201, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, weird one, fun one. Eagles end up taking the L 30 to 28. But honestly, I mean, you saw, you heard the way I introed it. I ain't even that mad. How you doing, brother? Dude, JJ, I think a white side, 75-yard touchdown. I know what I said. You can't prove this wrong. He earned every yard of that. Yes, he did. Listen, blocking wide receiver, baby. I've been trying to tell you. This is this is why they were, this was the vision, is that when Miles Sanders is downfield doing all the actual work, JJ, I'll be right there with him, calmly escorting Marcus Peters to the sideline. <laughs> This is a great example of this game should not have been a one possession game. It's ludicrous that it was a one possession mm-hmm. game. It's crazy that the Eagles had a two point conversion opportunity to send this thing to overtime. Mm-hmm. They were definitely outplayed, but this team continues to try to win football games. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Like I, I, I dig on that. I think that for the frustrations that exist with Doug Peterson in the media, it's clear that the locker room wants to continue to play for him. For the frustrations that exist with Carson Wentz in the locker room, it's clear that still they're willing to rally around him late. And the Eagles nearly brought this thing all the way back. And the fact that they didn't is frustrating. You know, it's uh, two straight losses to the Ravens on a two-point conversion now. Sucks. <laughs> but taking from Cincinnati to San Francisco to Pittsburgh and into Baltimore, offense has clearly gotten better yeah. over the last four month over the last four weeks which is really really good news because the danger after that rams game after even after that Bengals game was that wentz was gonna go into a a hole go into a pit that he can never come out of and it's clear that he has and while the eagles are one four and one and who knows how they're gonna make the playoffs if they're gonna make the playoffs are they gonna be by ourselves at the trade deadline all that stuff what really matters is that the the quarterback is functional and everything else after that comes after that. I mean, they scored 25 points against the 49ers. They scored 29 points against the Steelers. And then, shockingly, are able to somehow, when it was 17 nothing at halftime, put up 28 second-half points mm-hmm. against this Ravens defense. And it got, it, it got to a point in the game where, like, Jack Driscoll comes out. Brett Toth comes in. Carson Wentz is hyper-aware of this and just starts— Brett Toth! Brett Toth. I'm not even That's saying— That's the thing. <laughs> we don't even—like, like, there's, like— Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom is catching touchdowns. Who is that? Jason Kroom wearing 81. (laughs) 
Did you think he is Jordan Matthews? How dare he stand where he stood? So what? yeah, J- Jason Kroon, baby. Brent Toth, like. Wentz just starts YOLOing the ball around the yard. He has zero time. Like, he is under right. immense pressure. The the play that Toth came in, right? Wentz is like, back foot, throw it out of the end zone. Maybe try to give Fulgham a chance. Mm-hmm. I don't care. The next play, a stunt comes. Yeah. And he gets obliterated, which was an interception wiped out. And somehow the Eagles still are able to, to find a way. Wentz is still able to find a way to hit these YOLO balls. I don't know how consistent he can be with that. That's obviously got right. his uh, obvious doubts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> obvious like, downsides, but... Buddy. <laughs> I mean, that was full. He went full Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. Yeah. Like, that. it was full Jameis. Just, <laughs> someone's going to catch this. Hopefully, it's my guy. And, right, like, that 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 throw to Richard Rodgers, which was, uh, uh, it was immediately after the Travis Fulgham 50-yard horrible defensive pass interference call. I thought they were calling it on Fulgham, to be Same. 100% honest. You get the... Uh, the drop to Greg Ward, it's second and 10. I start getting New England flashbacks. I'm like, all right, this is going to get the fourth and 10, and he's going to put a ball on somebody in the end zone, right? Nelson Aguilar, and then the, the end line, and it's going to get dropped, and we're going to have to deal with all that. Yeah. Immediate rush from the Ravens. The Ravens are like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. We're just going to keep on beating the living daylights out of this dude. And he just puts, just a, like, it was a prayer, but it was a really well thought out, like back yeah. shoulder, little, just like get this thing out quick. Tight ends, a big guy prayer and it works. And that was when I was just like, All there's right. no, that was when I was like, there's no way this is happening. They get, uh, uh, the, the roughing the passer. No, it wasn't roughing the passer. They got a penalty to get to a, a first and goal situation. Uh, the interception that was reversed. It was just like, there's no way. That this is really, really happening. And then, of course, they end up getting to the line for the two-point conversion with six seconds left on the play clock. And then try to run zone read with Boston Scott behind Jordan Mailata, which is just like classic way to end the game. But the whole reason that play ends up mattering is because Carson Wentz, like we talked about, like, you know, playing with stress, playing free, trusting your receivers... I mean, he had no other choice but to be like, somebody please make a play on this football. Yeah. And that was, you know, good enough in this one game. In that same drive, there was also like that scramble that Wentz had where he had like broke a couple tackles and it was going down to the ground and he pitches it out to, to Boston Scott. It's like a one yard, it's like a superhuman one yard type of play. And look, yards were hard to come by in this game. I mean, for a while, I think until about five minutes into the second quarter, something like that. The Eagles had negative 11 net yards. Their first seven plays, if you include the penalty, four of them either went backwards or only got back to the line again. I mean, the first first play of the game was a seven-yard loss. Clias Campbell put Jamon Brown or Jamon Brown, however you want to say it. I don't want to say it ever again because I hope he doesn't have to play. Put like right into Carson Wentz's lap. Uh, the second down was the five-yard loss on a Miles Sanders screen. The screen game for the Eagles continues to be perplexing, befuddling, however you want to put it. And then early, too, man, like, there were two drops in this game that were huge. The one in in the first drive to John Hightower on third and 22, Wentz finds Hightower, who burns Marcus Peters on a double move. Bad eyes from Peters peeking Wentz's eyes. Hightower just drops it. And then there was the one in the end zone to, to Miles Sanders, where Sanders turns around like three different ways. Hits him right in the hands and he can't come, he can't come down with it. Like there were reasons why the, the, the Eagles offense wasn't able to put up points early on. Part of it was because they were getting dominated. But like I saw a stat. This is from, uh, uh, Bo, uh, Bo Wolf, uh, quote, the last time the Eagles offense opened the game with three straight three and outs was December 8th, 2013 against the Lions. 
And there, that, if you remember, that was a real uh, snowy one. But like, I, I can't believe that this offense made this game so boring and frustrating, no matter what was going on. With the Wentz fumble, too, like he deserves criticism for that. It was a great play by the Ravens defenders. Two guys tackling him. One guy goes for the balls. I mean, thank God. <laughs> thank God Wentz was good after that play. Because right. if we had to spend the entire week being like, Wentz was da 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 three sacks and a fumble. Yeah. And be like, oh, Carson Wentz has 27 fumbles in his last 30 games. <laughs> I mean, he, he was a runner. And and the first tackler stood him up. The second tackler collisioned him while the first tackler had a hand on the ball. Like, yeah. you put every running back in the league not named Derrick Henry in that situation, they're probably getting the ball out. Like, it was a great defensive play. I do not know what you want from the guy. And it's also good that the offense got going after that because it felt like it, there was the Jalen Hurts drive where Hurts comes in and he has two runs for, for 23 yards. And the offense starts to move and eventually they stall out. Uh, on the on the fourth and one, which was this the sneak, uh, where where Wentz got stuff there. What, what about man, Miles Sanders? We we kind of talked about this, but I do want to give props to JJ Ortega Whiteside, who also had the two point conversion where he was wide open. Whatever that was, that was a lot of scheme that went into that. Second week in a row, we see we see JJ Ortega Whiteside fifty yards down the field making a block, and the football gods rewarded him on this one. <laughs> to pick up, to pick my up my favorite the play of the season. <laughs> Absolutely, what? my my favorite play of the season. That or Greg Ward getting an unbelievable contested catch on the sideline, exclusively because he accidentally landed on Marlon Humphrey, which completely was just bum fuzzled yes. the broadcast booth for like ten minutes. Can we talk about that? Because Dude. they had they had such a problem different with with several replays. By the way, that mm-hmm. they were watching, saying right. left foot. Okay, there goes the left foot again. Like, no, it's left foot, right foot. Why? Are, why is this going on for right, three why, minutes? Like, like, oh, the same foot touching down twice only counts as one <laughs> foot. Yeah, I've seen football before, man. <laughs> oh man, now the the. As per usual, the broadcast and the replays were frustrating. Apparently, after Wentz had the Richard Rogers throw, he like got in Matt Judon's face a little bit and was like, yo, what's up? And I would very much like to have seen that. Yes. And there's no way they didn't have a camera on it, but it was this was an extremely zany game, man. Yeah. Down like okay. Down twenty-four to six in the third quarter after the thirty-seven yard touchdown. Like it felt was the ga- the game was yeah. over, right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. No, 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 no. The game was <laughs> over at like 10 nothing like, <laughs> or 14 nothing after the fumble and then the touchdown you're like all right a 14 point hole is way too much for the eagles to dig themselves out of the ravens proceeded to score in the next drive so it was 17 nothing the eagles had two subsequent three and outs the eagles first you know six drives were three and out three and out three and out fumble in the first play three and out and three and out so yes there was no hope mm-hmm. now as it was a zany game, I would love to sit here and say to you, well, this is what the Eagles were trying to do in the first half, in those first six drives. And then here's what they did afterward that really helped things out and they got things moving. Right. Besides saying that the Ravens can't prepare for every possible Jalen Hurts play, there was really nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very clear the offense had absolutely no juice. So Peterson chucked the entire playbook at the wall and pulled out the Jalen Hurts, you know, break glass in case of emergency sheet. And they ran a couple midline zone reads with him. They had the little screen to him, right? They had even the Sanders run, the big run that J. Jaw picked up. That was ghost right. motion with Jalen Hurts coming out from a condensed right. split. Yeah, right. Which is what was really cool about that was that they had Hurts. They had they'd thrown the throwback screen to to Hurts, not Hurts, Hurts. And then on that t- that touchdown run by Sanders slash J. Jaw, <laughs> Wentz 
goes in so so Hertz is in what's called orbit motion so he was along the line of scrimmage and then he instead of going jet right across the line of scrimmage orbits behind the running back right. so you're kind of orbiting the, the quarterback as it were uh when Wentz snaps the football play action to the running back play action to Hertz drop back pass deep shot that's what that usually looks like right and the offensive line blocked it very much so flat to the line of scrimmage, which is to say they looked like they were trying to not get called for a legal man downfield, which is to say make it look like a play-action pass. So you watch a lot of those linebackers reading that very, very slowly. Meanwhile, Miles Sanders has the ball, a little tuck, 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 a little scooting. <laughs> and then Jason Kelsey pops into the second level, takes Chuck Clark's head off, and it's off to the races, right? So that was, that's a really smart understanding of what you're showing and what you've previously shown. They put Hertz in orbit motion, last week against the Steelers on a similar sort of a play, and I think they went play-action pass off it. I can't remember. Yeah. Would be interesting to see because I think this was a natural build-off of that. So, yeah, that, uh, you know, eventual fourth-and-one stop on a uh, a QB sneak from Wentz, which, not for nothing, I still don't really understand how reviews work. I've been watching football for 20 years. <laughs> we had a review that showed that the ball was in Wentz's left side of his body, and then we had a review that showed the left side of his body was past the line the line to gain. Right. I don't know how we can't infer that the ball was behind the line to gain. It literally physically could not have been not beyond the line to gain. It doesn't matter. I just don't understand that anyway. So it ends with that, but that was the drive where they were just like, listen, freaking, you know, Jalen Hurts, we're doing the wackiest stuff that we've got. We're, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to get some juice flowing. Yeah. It's the only, it was the only thing that could that could make the Ravens, like, stop and think instead right. of just fly. Exactly. Up to that point, when they were running the ball, they were trying to do a ton of zone stuff with Miles Sanders. None of it was working. No idea why they were trying to run zone. All they did against the Steelers was run gap power. It was kind of successful. Jamon Brown, I guess, is better in zone. I mean, he's not good at anything, apparently. So I don't know what that was about. Jack Driscoll, maybe. You don't want him in power. I kind of get it. Anyway, so they, they completely changed their identities of running team to absolutely no avail. Not that they were good running the ball against the Steelers. And then passing game-wise, they were trying to get Wentz on sprint outs, trying to get him rolling opposite flow on nakeds. The Ravens are doing a really good job cutting off shallow crossers. They took away Fulgham on a sprint out in third and five. Obviously, Wentz had the opportunity to get deep on man cover a couple times. Nothing really happened on that one. You had the third and six single coverage. John Hightower on the sideline. Wentz says, I'm going to take this one-on-one matchup. John Hightower says, I'm going to get shoved into the sideline if that's okay with you. He might as well have been serving Gatorade to play. Like, he, he got red line <laughs> <Just>, to heck. <laughs> like, did he know he was in the route concept? That's my main question there. Because he made no effort to stay in the field of play. Anyway. Yeah. They're nothing like, like they, they had a little bit of deep ball fever, kind of like they got against Washington, where they were like, we need explosive plays. They kind of chilled on that, obviously, but with Hertz, they were still trying to get those explosive plays. They were just trying to do it horizontally instead of vertically, regardless. Yeah. They do that. They don't get any points out of it. They get the big uh, roughing the passer penalty on the Hail Mary, which mm. gets them in field goal range. Elliott misses it. And to this point, you're like, oh no, a fourth and one at the 20, no points. A 52-yard field goal attempt, no points. This doesn't matter. They're down 17-0. Yeah. Obviously, it ends up mattering by the time we get to the end of the game. But what really interests me is they come out and and they claim, like, yo, we're going to be, like, like, like uh, apparently Doug Peterson told the sideline guy, like, Jalen Hurts can be a big part of our offense. Then they get the big Sanders touchdown. And then we didn't see him for the rest of the game. So it's curious because the Eagles started really slow against the Steelers. Got a huge explosive run by Miles Sanders on the third drive of the game. And then that kind of woke up the passing attack. 
the Ravens, it took a whole seven drives. Jalen Hurts, first half, for them to get one explosive Miles Sanders run. And then that just suddenly started priming your your passing game. Hmm. On the next drive, they drive down the field. That's where they got the uh, the Jason Kroom touchdown pass to Ward. They had the uh, a four and out drive in their own territory. And then they have the two touchdown drives to end the game. And so it's like, all right, a little bit garbage timey, a little bit Ravens are not trying to make mistakes. But I think if you're the Eagles right now, you're saying, all right, I like what we've done on offense. We're finishing the games well. The passing game's waking up. If you need to get primed by some Jalen Hurts shenaniganry, and a huge Miles Sanders explosive third-level run in order for the offense to be like, and now we can start. You're going to be in a lot of holes. <laughs> yeah, you know man. what I mean? Like, you don't want to be messing around like this. So they need to figure out how to get the passing game working earlier. They need to figure out how to get Wentz in rhythm earlier. And I don't think they're not trying to do that. It's just it, they've currently struggled the last two weeks. And so while they've gotten good offensive outputs, it's been a little bit too little too late. In both games, they're in multi-score holes with about a little bit more than half of the fourth quarter left. Hmm. And it's like, all right, yeah, it's winnable, but this is not where you want to be. Yeah. Uh, and so they've got to figure out a way to get the passing game woken up a little bit earlier in the game. Yeah, speaking of the passing game, Carson Wentz, 21 for 40 on the day, 213 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Also contributed on the ground as well with five carries, 49 yards, and a touchdown. And, and I thought it was really interesting last week. In, in the beginning of the week, you know, Brian Boldinger, love him. He, he does all of his video breakdowns. And, like, his one-on-wentz was one from, like, the first drive of the game. And, like, you could see Fulgham's about to snap his route off or who, whoever it was in that case. And Wentz doesn't let it go. And he's like, you got to trust your receivers. And it's like a two-minute long video. And it's like, and he doesn't show any of the other throws. I mean, trust your receivers. Carson Wentz was 37%. In aggressiveness, according to Next Gen Stats, that was the third highest total for any single game of the week in that game. So he definitely started to trust his receivers, and we saw it in this one too. This week, a little bit lower, but still in the uh, the top five so far for the week six slate. 22.5% aggressiveness, just throwing it out there. And a big reason he can do that is because he has some trust now with a guy that he can go to in those situations. Travis Fulgham, six receptions, 75 yards and a touchdown. As we mentioned before, had the pass interference call. The the one where he parts the seas between Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters was one of the most bizarre things that you're ever going to see. Like, Fulgham yet again shows up as the number one target for this team, and I don't know what to believe is real with this guy, but I am just enjoying a wide receiver that is playing supremely confident football then the fact that he caught that touchdown was ludicrous that ball went right right through his hands hit him in the chest (laughs) he trapped that thing that ball could have bounced a lot of different ways and boy what we would have done if Fulgham dropped a touchdown (laughs) like that oh man that would not have been good They'd like to talk about the trust thing with Fulgham, right? And like, you know, when, when Fulgham got that ball, it was like, see, it's because Carson Wentz trusts him. And it's a little bit like, hey, there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Did he just decide to start trusting him now? Could he have trusted him a little bit earlier? Fulgham got, what, his first target five minutes left in the second quarter or something like that? Right, yeah. uh, And they were trying to get him open. They were trying to get the ball to him, and the Ravens were reacting to it, obviously. Um, But if, uh, you know... The feature part of the Eagles passing game against the Steelers was Travis Fulgham. And that was fun, but they lost that football game. And then against the Ravens, once again, if you're trying to make Travis Fulgham the feature wide receiver in your passing game, guess what ends up happening? Your passing game's not good for a while, and you end up losing the football game. So the Eagles, especially now with the Zach Ertz injury, just do not have a player 
that you're like, ah, oh, and this this guy will, you know, if we get him a ton of targets and a ton of touches, like we'll be able to move the ball really well. The, the closest thing they've got is Fulgham. They're working on off of two game sample size. Zach Ertz obviously hasn't been that player for this entire season. I mean, that dude got clamped mm-hmm. by a linebacker I did not know existed. Yes. Who is Chris Board? Is he the greatest cover linebacker <laughs> ever? Or is Zach Ertz extremely washed? Now, noted, you know, Ertz also dealing with an ankle injury and then mm-hmm. had to leave the game and, and we'll, we'll see his status. But, I mean, for the entirety of the season, this guy has just, like, when does 2020 start for this guy? Because it hasn't happened so far. Right. He's going to potentially miss that game on Thursday, which means we're looking at Richard Rodgers, Jason Kroom, and Hakeem Butler, all of them definitely getting a lot of snaps because the Eagles will stay in 12 personnel. You think, the- you think they will with Deshaun and Alshon maybe coming back for this thing? Because that's that's what people are kind of saying. Like it would be it would be the most Eagles thing if Deshaun comes back, Ertz is down, and so the Eagles accidentally fall bass backwards <laughs> into eleven personnel and just shred the Giants. Right. Yeah. Deshaun comes back, draws James Bradbury, mm. gets absolutely blanketed, <laughs> but then Travis Fulgham eats against Grant Haley for like 12, 190, and three touchdowns. Yeah, that has value. Absolutely. Like, it's, uh, who knows? Uh, this Giants game is going to be extremely weird because, and if we want to transition this to the other side of the ball here, yeah. the Giants scored 20 points against Washington, which I'll be honest with you. I had Washington covering. I thought Washington was going to win this game. They did not, but boy, I thought the Giants were going to score more than 20 points. Mm. The Giants have scored more than 20 once, and it was the 34 they put on Dallas in a game that they still subsequently lost. So the Eagles' offense has scored over 20 points. The Eagles' team total has been over 20 points in the last three games. If they score over 20, they should beat the New York Giants. Yeah. Um, but that kind of circles back to how well do you expect this defense to play against New York, because against Baltimore... They weren't half bad. I mean, New York is already they already benched their starting left tackle Andrew Thomas before today, and Matt Pert got the uh, got the start there. Peart, Peart, Matt Peart. Yeah, maybe, maybe learn single syllable tackle last names, Mike. Embarrassing. So anyway, the Eagles' defensive line. I mean, when you look at their matchup with the New York Giants, shut up, Ben. Uh, I mean, Brandon Graham, I thought had a great game. Two sacks, two tackles for loss. Did a better job containing uh, Lamar Jackson than uh, any of the linebackers did. Malik Jackson, two tackles for loss, had a sack for himself. Fletcher Cox with a tackle for loss. Uh, Josh Sweat with three tackles for loss. Like those four guys for me, especially early on too in the first half, I thought they were really disruptive. But I also thought like there there exists this this thing in the, in the Eagles defense where you know they call it no man's land in like military battles where you have two one line on one side one line on the other one and then they, they won't like right. go into that no man's land because it's just getting bombed there's mines everywhere and whatnot like that's that's the Eagles to me like they have a great front line front line fortification but then there is this no man's land where like nothing happens and if it's like we we have said this like a few times before but the plays being made at the line or 10 yards behind the line that continues to be the case if you watch the Eagles linebacker on every snap you're going to go freaking crazy but i thought it was a really good performance against a good baltimore offensive line so i do believe that the eagles can step into uh new york and really dominate the trenches there it just it's a matter of how everyone else plays around them right that work that they did on the inside of the Ravens offensive line was critical, yeah. right? I mean, this this was a 30-point outing for the Ravens, and yet somehow you still sit there and you think to yourself, that wasn't a bad game for the defense. You know, that first scoring drive, it's multiple third and 10 conversions, right? 
the next touchdown drive comes off of the fumble. And then after that, they hold him to a field goal, hold him to a field goal, hold him to a field goal. And yeah, gave up one more touchdown, which was, oof. oh, it was, that was, that was the drive where they had the, uh, the Lamar Jackson long touchdown run, mm-hmm. which was just the 37 yarder. Listen, it was probably Nate Gary's fault. <laughs> I saw you trying to like defend him a little bit saying maybe this is Alex, but that's the problem, Ben. Because it could be Alex Singleton. It could be Nate Gary. We don't know because both of them are out of position literally all the time. We and can't... what's funny is like, I thought I thought to myself, oh, well, hopefully one of the beats will ask Jim Schwartz, who is out of position here, or Doug Peterson. And then I was like, wait a minute. They will never, ever, ever answer that question. Right. Actually, honestly, or in a useful way whatsoever. But you get... Pullers go in from the, the offense's left to the offense's right. You get the back going from the offensive right to the offensive left. Obviously, uh, Lamar is always a threat to hold on to the football. The Eagles have been stunting their defensive tackles in, stunting their defensive ends in, and then having the linebackers and the safeties operate as the edges for most of the game. It had been working extremely well. If you listen to the Solak and Solak show, Long May It Rain 2020-2020, uh, you know that one of the things I really pushed was the idea that the Eagles had to have their edges play slow. Instead of doing that, the Eagles had their edges play fast inside and then replace those edges with linebackers and safeties. Worked very, very well. Yeah. Also on this play, you're getting two pullers towards Nate Gary's side of the formation Gary gains width to be able to to be able to squeeze the play to be outside of the pullers he doesn't get flanked to the outside the problem is Ronnie McLeod's also doing this Brandon Graham's already taken on one of the pullers so they've got right. two guys filling one responsibility on the other side of the formation Alex Singleton wants to gain width so that Josh Sweat can play fast as the unblocked end down into the into the mesh point Sweat plays the quarterback, uh, the running back, who's coming across his face. Singleton's also going wide to play the running back. So you had one second-level defender go wide to cover the running back, and the other second-level defender went wide to handle a puller. And Lamar Jackson and right tackle Patrick McCarry, or right guard Patrick McCarry, excuse me, both get to the second level. And McCarry's like, wait, there's nobody here to block. And Lamar gets second level. He's like, there's nobody here to tackle me. <laughs> like, here, the Eagles literally part of the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, so one of... Gary or Singleton made an error, and I think it was Gary. I also think Singleton was wrong and could have potentially made a play in pursuit, hmm. but he probably would have gotten blocked by Makari, given the way Makari's angle was coming off the ball. So just um, a, a mistake. It was, it, was, it was a blown read in the first and second level against the Baltimore Ravens' extremely movement-heavy backfield. To be honest, only one of those, pretty solid. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I expected worse in the Eagles' linebacking room. Uh, they got Davian Taylor out there. He actually had a nice little sale technique coverage on Nick Boyle. It was completed, but he wasn't god-awful out of position. And that's my bar to clear for the Eagles linebacker room. Um, Will Parks yeah. was aggressive in run defense. I have no idea what he did in coverage, but it's not like he could be worse than Jalen Mills. The Eagles had Elijah Riley playing deep middle so that they could get Rodney McLeod in the box. I thought that was smart. So a lot of good decisions were made. Fletcher Cox, eight. Yeah. Malik Jackson, eight. Those guys were ripping it up on the inside. So yeah, a 30 point out into the Ravens. Obviously less would have been helpful. I'm not disputing that. <laughs> but they held them to three field goal attempts, which I think was a big plus in your terms of your bend but don't break kind of philosophy. If anything, I think the most concerning thing was that Marquise Brown got a couple good ones on Darius Slay, which is now two weeks in a row 
that Chase Claypool and Marquise Brown now have gotten in on Darius Slay. And remember, Slay's gone down with injury multiple times. Yeah, he was obviously in the concussion protocol after that game, but before that, uh, in the Niners game, he went down. I have a theory that he's not 100% hmm. because his stickiness has just kind of vanished yeah. a little bit over the last two weeks. And then, you know, Claypool's a tough-ass athletically. Der- uh, Marquise Brown, obviously, is a tough-ass athletically. Um, but that is worth wondering. Obviously, the the coverage from corner two, and Nickarobi Coleman was feet Like, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? They had, they had some good ones later, but, like, the Eagles corner, two remains a problem with Maddox out. So you got your issues. But, like, Slay on Slayton next week should be okay. Yeah. This defensive line should murder that offensive line. Very little running back talent. Devonta Freeman, very little tight end talent. Evan Ingram runs exclusively curls. Defense should be okay against the Giants. And then the offense been playing well. Yeah. For bursts. Not for a whole game, but for bursts over the last three weeks so there's reason to believe that the eagles might actually beat the new york giants on thursday night football yeah i mean i mean the defense obviously had the biggest problem with lamar jackson's legs uh you know the, the nine carries 108 yards and a touchdown but if you look at their other running backs jk jk dobbins nine carries 28 yards gus edwards 14 for 26 mark engram you know five for 20 that's a little bit better but only 186 passing yards from lamar jackson and like if marquise brown is like Four catches, 57 yards. I'm going to take that compared to what we've seen from wide receiver ones uh, pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All... Now, is Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones playing better now they're not in Philadelphia? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but when they were here, it obviously was really bad. So. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we're going to continue to talk about this game. We'll do it under the framework of three words from the gentle listeners. That's coming up next here on the Kiss and Solak Show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 201, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's go to three words from the gentle listener. So every week we ask you for your three words at BGN underscore radio on Twitter to describe this game. And we try to read the best responses or discuss the best responses. Uh, F15 at G Theodosis. It says butts for laptops. Look, guys, you had to you had to withstand one Solak and Solak show. Hey, I, the people loved it. We had good numbers. I apologize for it. It has since been canceled after one episode. Hopefully it'll never happen again. I'll let you know. My laptop is back up and running after 20 hours of frantically trying to piece it back together with duct tape and, I don't know, Chinese newspaper clippings and Apple cores. But we got it going. It's going to last until my actual PC gets here. So we shouldn't have any more disruptions in the coverage here. Uh, at uh, at X Uzi World with no O should have ran the F in Philly special. That is not three words. However, I really like the idea of trying that instead of trying the read option. Listen, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. When Wentz was in the in the huddle, yes. reading War and Peace for the play call, <laughs> I was like, all right, either. They've got 95 checks on this thing, or it's a trick play, and he's just trying to, like, make this thing seem longer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, all right, like, nobody move quickly, but we're running Philly Special. All right, everybody stay in. <laughs> we're running Philly Special. Um, <laughs> what's really frustrating about that two-point play call was, like, they clearly had a passing play dialed up. Wentz didn't like it. Checked to zone read, and then immediately had to snap the football. And they were just so behind pacing-wise. And, like, I don't know. I talked about this with the Nate Gary thing. But, like, the Eagles were like, oh, we got one timeout, but let's make sure we hold on to this in case we need it later when, like, it was the game-deciding play. Like, when they broke the huddle at literally 11 seconds, yeah. I was like, Doug, just take the freaking – it's, it's the game. Yep. Take the timeout, man. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, oh, what, you're going to save it because you might need it on defense? <laughs> you didn't use it last week! <laughs> anyway, 
Nikias at Nikias NBA, who's a good uh, follow if you're a big NBA fan, says he's not emptying him. Hmm. Fulgham. He's not emptying him. All right. All right. <laughs> because, so, Mike, you get it. I'll explain. Yeah. So, Fulgham okay. sounds like full. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's say Alexandra Cedor, who's my aunt, says, oh, so close. She's a Ravens fan. Thanks, Aunt Allie. I love you. Uh, I was a big Lamar Jackson fan, so I have a good time watching him play well. That was a weird one. It was a fun one. Hope hope my cousins are doing well. Bye. I'm obligated to read uh, Grace uh, at I underscore love tight ends. It's got to be a new app. Yeah, she made our she got a new app. She made our logo. Yeah, she made our logo. So I want to read this. This is from her household that I'm actually starting to wonder now how many people she has in her household because the, these are the different three words that she has for right. us. Uh, two point disappoint, which we just talked about. Okay. Drain lane cyst. And then parentheses, yeah, I know gross, but real. Uh, that's a real problem for Lane we got going on there. Carson plus kids, yeah, again, finds another uh, darling to start throwing Every to. time a young player does something good, yeah. I'm like, okay, positive season, yeah. positive growth, we're fine. I mean, that's actually, you know, what's kind of making it easier for everybody to kind of swallow this is the Eagles have a new wide receiver, you know, toy to, toy to play with that's not just like totally right. crapping himself out there. Sean Bradley makes a tackle. I'm like, I love you, Sean Bradley. <laughs> Cable Wallace, special teams, like this, great, perfect. Uh, but for my heart, uh, that's four words. But you know, it's for the brand. Uh, still deadline sellers, and that's an interesting conversation we can have. Alshon organizational conspiracy. Don't know what that means. Jaw always believed. Of course, who didn't? Yeah. Ben, deadline sellers, or by the way, this whole thing kicked off today because Jason Lockenfora. All right, I'm going to go take a break. You let me know when you're done. That f***ing hack, Jason Lockenfora, <laughs> who hasn't gotten a single thing right about the Eagles, maybe ever, or about any other team in a long time. Honestly, tell me the last story that JLC broke, because he gets humiliated on Twitter every time he tries to do this. And what he said was that the Eagles are going to be very aggressive in being buyers at the trade deadline. And of course, Bleeding Green Nation runs it and Philly Voice runs it. And every time BLD picks up a hey, JLC quote, I... Clicks. Oh, yeah. That's my paycheck, brother. Yeah, no, you're aggregating content. I get it. But that's also props him up as somebody that's actually like viable. Like you can actually like create a discussion out of this, which is kind of what we're doing and just saying like, yeah, he's a hack and he's wrong. But let's discuss it anyway. I mean, this guy, he makes me think that the Eagles are going to be like very motivated sellers because the opposite of what he says is absolutely true about 100% of the time with the Eagles, especially when he's talking about specific players. So when he says, okay, the Eagles are going to like he's flipping a coin right now, buyers versus sellers. You flip a coin, you say one of them, you go all in on it, you hope you're right. And if you're wrong, you never mention it again. If he says a player, you almost guarantee that the Eagles are not getting that player. But Ben, anyway, let's have this stupid conversation. Are you are you buying or are you selling going into the trade deadline if you're the Eagles? I'm I'm a seller all the way because they got to get some stuff off the books. I, and the only yeah. way I think that they're going to be buyers is if Howie Roseman has gotten an ultimatum from ownership saying if you don't win the NFC East this year, you are gone. You need to save your job. We need to win. Right. I think I think that could be the case. I also think there's another way that they're buyers, and that's because Harry Roseman is always a buyer at the trade deadline, whether or not that's good, right? And there's, um, di there's different levels of buying, too, right? Which is what I was going to say, yeah. right? The thing is, like, why – okay, the Eagles should be sellers at the trade deadline. Why? Because they've got a bunch of veteran players on expensive contracts, which is limiting uh, – and they're not winning, right? So they have a bunch of veteran players, expensive contracts, and they're not winning. They can't turn over the roster 
easily with a bunch of veteran players on expensive contracts who aren't playing well, uh-huh. right? Because then you're like, oh, let's go get good young players. It's like, well, we can't. We don't have any money. So instead of signing good young players, you expunge the bad contracts. You acquire picks for them. Like, oh, you know, here's Fletcher Cox. Here's Brandon Graham. Here's Zach Ertz. They're all available. Take their money off of our books. In return, you get picks. You know what you do with the picks, Mike? You draft young players. These are young, cheap players now. It's great. But everybody thinks Ty Roseman's a bad drafter. Every, like we had uh, uh, Patrick, who's a really good uh, Eagles follow. He's a smart dude. Uh, his ad is at Eagles PMC. He hit us with fire Howie Roseman in the three words. And he hit us with Jefferson Metcalf, Metcalf McLaurin on another mention, right? Roseman has done a bad job drafting these last couple years. So if you want the Eagles to be sellers, you either want to get back picks, which you then think Howie Roseman is going to use poorly, or... You have to be wanting you. You have to then want retreads. You have to want players from other teams who aren't doing well for those teams that you think might do well here. Mm-hmm. And because the Eagles are going to need to get cheaper, those players are not going to have heavy contracts. Which is to say, while buyers and sellers is a nice framework for how to act at the trade deadline, it doesn't capture the totality of it. The Eagles need to get younger and cheaper because the team isn't good. If the team were good. Then they could get older and more expensive because, all right, we're gonna try to win right now. They're not gonna win right now. The Eagles could win the NFC East. They're not going to play. They're not going far in the playoffs. So, the Eagles need to get younger and cheaper. You can do that at the trade deadline a couple of different ways, uh-huh. and it might be buying. The Eagles shouldn't send their fourth round pick for Andy Isabella, but they should try to get maybe a good defensive tackle, a good end off of the roster. For Andy Isabella, for Hassan Reddick from the Cardinals, because the Cardinals still think they might be good this year, aren't using Andy Isabella, and need a defensive tackle and need an edge, yeah. right? So the, the the objective is getting younger and cheaper. And that may mean adding a player on the trade deadline if that youngness and that cheapness uh, could bear dividends for the Eagles. So th- that's kind of my, my trade deadline thoughts. We had somebody else uh, at Eagles uh, Analytic. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I lost it. Yes. At Fanalytic, Eagles Analytics says four W's incoming. And then in parentheses, I apologize for my eternal hope. And then in a response, making my own rule that the words in parentheses don't count towards the three words, so no violations here. <laughs> All of that is lies. But the Eagles' next four are Giants at home Thursday night, Cowboys at home Sunday, prime time, quick turnaround. Then they catch the bye week, and then they're at the Giants, and then they're at the Browns. Hmm. Then they get Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Cowboys, Washington. They get that the midway point is where they gotta they gotta build some type of momentum and get some right. wins in the books because the end is 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 yeah. hell there. Yeah, that's the thing. So you're looking at the trade deadline coming very conveniently right around their bye week, right? So the NFL trade deadline is I want to say like the sixth of November, but anyway, it's right it's right on their bye week. Uh, their, their bye week is is the week of the eighth versus the Giants on Thursday night. I'll be honest with you, I've alluded to it, but I'll codify it i think the eagles win that football game yeah so you're two four and one we don't exactly know what the cowboys are going to look like with dalton obviously the cowboys are dealing with a ton of defensive issues right now so we kind of know what they are but you have a long week on prep for them you get them on sunday night at home if you win that you're three four and one you're almost yeah you're mathematically you have to be leading the division at that time because washington can't be any better than three and five and you just beat the giants and you just beat the cowboys so you're leading the division, you're at 3 4 and 1, you're in your bye week. That is good short term. 
But if that leads the Eagles to believe that perhaps at the trade deadline they should avoid the get younger, get cheaper impetus. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Then, yeah, we got big problems. Um, So Giants uh, uh, Giants with very little pass rush. Cowboys with very little pass rush. The offensive line should be okay, even with all of its injuries. Weapons are getting better. Besides James Bradbury, nobody on the either one of those teams can cover. Like, it's it's... Winnable football games, man. <laughs> I mean, that's what we got coming up ahead of us. And, of course, we're going to be covering it here at BGN for you throughout the week. Ben, uh, any last – I think I think we did the thing, you know. I'm, I'm not I'm not upset with uh, with this loss. Of, of course, you know, to not be upset by it, the Eagles go out – they have to stack some wins coming up here. And uh, we'll, we'll cover all that, that journey with you. And maybe we will be screaming into our microphones about something other than Nate Gary as we work through this process. But right now we're just kind of like – Hanging out in the NFC East, you know? Right, listen, when, <laughs> when 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 they tied that game to the Bengals, yeah. right, we said ideally they got out of the Niners, Ravens, Steelers stretch at 1-4-1. Correct. And they're 1-4-1. Yep, here we right? are. Right? So, like, Niners, surprisingly happy win. Steelers and Ravens. What did you expect? Did not expect to be involved in the fourth quarter, but we were, and that's nice. Yep. And this team clearly has fine they have resiliency. Mm-hmm. As Elliot Shore Parks has brought up, this is Who? the one four and one record is why the loss to Washington and the tie to Cincinnati are so frustrating. He's yeah. absolutely right. Eagles very easily and very realistically could have and should have been three and three at this time. Mm-hmm. They're one four and one. If you're looking at the playoff picture still, then that's annoying. But once again, much like at week fourteen last year. Okay, win your divisional games, yep. and we're, we're still having a conversation here. So for the fight that the Eagles have showed against the Steelers and against the Ravens, you expect them to come out hot against the Giants. You expect them to, to view the Cowboys game as a game as a must-win game, as a season-defining game. Primetime at home, Dallas obviously with the backup quarterback. You, you're going to think that this two-game stretch against the division, my expectation is the Eagles have two sound performances and get two sound wins. Because they clearly have, despite all the injuries, found some juice on offense. If they don't, we're back to panic button stage. But mm. that's what I think is going to happen. And I'm excited. After a couple of weeks of carefree Eagles football watching, I'm excited to be <laughs> let down again. Yeah. All right, Ben. Take her home. Yeah, thank you as always for listening to the Kiston Solak Show here on BGN Radio. We're glad to be back in the saddle. For as much as I enjoy hearing the sound of my own voice, it is nice to take a break to breathe whenever Mike speaks. So, glad that Mike is back here with us and that we are back on track for a regular week of BGN Radio programming. But of course, it is not regular because the Eagles do play on Thursday night against the Giants. So, an expedited week for you. Uh, You will have our preview show on Wednesday? Yeah, sure. Screw it. Yeah, we'll have a preview show on Wednesday. Uh, We'll be able to recap the film from Eagles ravens as well by that time and provide any additional insights that were not born on the broadcast copy if you enjoy our show please rate review and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast he's been michael kissed on twitter at michael kissed nfl's ksd i've been benjamin Solik on twitter at benjamin Solik. that's s-o-l-a-k we'll talk to you earlier but later this week we all we you should see the stupid look on ben's face he's so <laughs> pleased with himself we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.